Okay, question number one. Uh, do, do I think guys should look at pictures when dating? Uh, no, you should look at the girl. You look at, you look at pictures, going to be distracting. <laughs> so I, I guess I guess it means pictures of the girl uh, before dating. <laughs> so, um, yes, first of all, as you know, a picture is not always an accurate representation. Sometimes a picture does a girl uh, an injustice or does a girl more than, more than justice. When Henry VIII was thinking of marrying Anne of Cleves, he sent Hans Holbein the Younger to paint her picture so he could decide if he wants to marry her. So he, I guess it was a picture looked good, so he married her. And he, uh, afterwards he regretted it. He thought the picture, had the picture was not accurate. So you can't always trust the picture. But... Um, Also, obviously, uh, it, it, it's it's a little bit degrading, you know. If a girl has to present the picture, Bachashverich probably wanted pictures before he, uh, before he had the girls come. But that's uh, it, it. It degrades the imagination. You know, a girl. Uh, it's very degrading for the girl to have to, to have to give her picture, and I think even for the boy, also, it puts it on a it puts it on a very uh, vulgar kind of, of level. They let all the buckers already burnt out, and every day it costs some blood. So I, you know, I, I don't know if I, even then, it's, I don't think it's so so desirable. But it's harder to criticize. But the young guys, you know, if you go out with a day, if you go out and a couple of days with a girl who you don't think is pretty, it turns out you don't think is pretty, it won't kill you. And I think it's very demeaning of the of the process. I'll tell you a story now that about Henry VIII, but Lavdel uh, with Shabinerov, Shabinerov. Uh, when he was when he was uh, a bacher, and there was a shidduch being suggested, and the girl's family wanted a picture of the bacher. They, they must live in a different town. It's a different world. They, the, the girl's family they wanted a picture of the of the boy, so that Shabinarov's mother, who was a big mumemedis and a very smart lady, Shabinarov's mother said it works better in a chassidish Yiddish. She said not right. Um, that doesn't mean you can't ask. You know, when you're asking about the girl, you're making your your, your inquiries not out of place to ask if she's if she's attractive. But I think the pictures are, are not so nice. There's a story with Chasim Sefer talking about these stories. Chasim um, Sefer was was widowed; his wife passed away, and they suggested for him a shidduch with Rabbi Kerega's daughter. Kerega had a daughter who was also an almana. The shidduch was suggested, and, and the shidduch was going to be concluded all by correspondence. Nobody, uh, they, no hotel lobbies or anything, but just by uh, by letters. And uh, there were people in town who who were not happy with the shidduch. They they, they didn't like the idea of the chasim seifer and the being connected by ties of, of marriage. It would be like too powerful a combination, like a monopoly. Like a, a monopoly. They wanted to bust it up, so they they started to spread a story that she's she's that she's very ugly, and it doesn't pass for the rebbe and the Pressburg to be uh, very ugly. So um, the Chassam Sefer sent uh, some people to, uh, to I don't know, I guess he took it seriously, and he, 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 sent, some, he sent some of his Mukurovim to wherever this, this girl lived in Germany to, uh, to meet her and to decide if it's an appropriate shidduch. So, uh, so they, they didn't want to write back that, you know, that she's not ugly, uh, wouldn't pass. So they, they wrote, So... 
obviously it's not out of place to ask if she's a pretty girl, but the, the pictures really reduces it to a very low, uh, to a very low level. Uh, I don't think it's uh, it's right, and 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 I think it's not being but I think it's not right. To, I think it's very degrading for the girls. So I I don't think it's good. <laughs> okay, next question. Uh, my question: What the question means? Okay. Yeah. Would it make any difference if someone else looked at the picture, or that's still like just degrading the woman and degrading the process as a whole? I think it's a, I think it's degrading for the girls to have to present the picture. I, I've heard from older singles that they say, you know, the soap burnt out. Every shidduch is, uh, you know, to, to go out on a, on a one and done. It, it, it it's, mamish uh, heats up their peace of mind, and they, they okay. I, I don't know. It's 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 a different parsha, but nobody here is an older single, so um, I don't uh, I, I don't think it's justified. Yeah. Would there be a differentiation between if somebody could like? Look up on Google a picture versus asking when it's not degrading, or is it inherent? It's a little bit different. I'm try, I was trying to remember what it was like when I was a bacher, way back when. We had pictures in those days. I mean, there was uh, the photography had already been invented. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Brady was uh, was uh, was taking pictures, but um, so what do we do? We didn't. They, they, we definitely did not ask for pictures. But I do seem to remember that there was a there was a thing with with high school yearbooks, that people would get a hold of the, you know, you couldn't Google, but you would get a hold of the high school yearbook to see what the, to see the girl's picture. So it was a thing, you know, you can't really, uh, okay, so, you know, boys will be boys, but at least it's not as degrading as asking, as the girl having to ask for, having to give in, to give a picture to the shock, and I, it's really not right. Today it became like a double portrait. You know, you go to shock and you give a, you give the shock a picture, and I think it's, it's, it's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. So, I'm not saying that the girls shouldn't give the picture because they're in a position of weakness, but I, I think it's wrong. It's, it's it's not a good thing, not a healthy thing. Should you ask someone if they're attractive? And these things are very subjective. Right. So in Islam, it's subjective. So they, they all say that she is anyway. It doesn't really <laughs> <laughs> because that's all factored in. How is a full woman supposed to spend her free time? Meaning. For men, it's possible we should be learning. But what's the expectation for from women? Is she supposed to be do ches- is, she, is she supposed to do chesed all day? I've heard the from women in our this is all the question. I've heard the from women in our circle spend multiple hours a day on the phone, phone talking with their friends. Is that the right use of their time? Okay, I mean, <laughs> supposed to do mitzvahs, I suppose. You're supposed to do mitzvahs. What are you supposed to do with your time? You're supposed to do mitzvahs. By, by boys, the biggest mitzvah is Talmud Torah. By girls, Talmud Torah is also a mitzvah, but it's not, it's not the biggest mitzvah. It's not Talmud Torah, can I get gulam, and I'm mitzvah of Isa. But uh, should we be doing mitzvahs, doing good things. Maybe they're talking on their fair, we talk, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's what they should be doing, <laughs> they should be doing mitzvahs. The, uh, the guy in writes in his letter to his wife when the Ben was thinking of going to Eretz Yisrael. The Ben was wanted to move to Eretz Yisrael, so he, 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 he wrote a letter to his, his wife and his daughter who were staying behind. So, um, at least for the time being, and he, and he said they shouldn't go to Shulon Shabbos because when we go to Shulon Shabbos, all they do is they shmooze with the other ladies, and it's not the uh, it's the Yotzes say Okay, so we're not on that level. We're, we're not on that level, and I don't expect our wives and, and daughters to be on that level. But mitzvahs, yeah. Chaim Kineski spent the whole day doing learning Torah, and his wife spent the whole day doing Chesed. So I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. 
but uh, or or to learn. My my grandmother was a big Mulumedis. She was not a feminist by any stretch of the imagination, but she was a very big Mulumedis. And she she felt she used to say that if a, if a, if a woman's head is is empty, then it'll then nature abhors a vacuum. If her head is empty, then it'll get it'll fill up with Narashat. So she was very she she thought it very important for women also to have a you know to be involved with learning. Besides all the other things. But uh So what is the role of alcohol in Judaism? What is the role of alcohol in Judaism? The um I don't think it's an issue so much here in yeshiva. There are places where it's become really an issue. Guys, guys go to go to they go to simchas and they get very they get quite uh, quite uh, tipsy. And they still say they still say tipsy. <laughs> they get quite tipsy. Um, you know, the main source of them, for certainly the Torah should feel it. The main source of them is is is, is das. That's what the Rambam writes. The main. Uh, the main sue of a person is, is, is his das. Anything that depresses your das takes away takes away from your das. So suddenly you should be very reluctant. A person uh, drinks, he loses his das. And Purim is especially in how could lose a das out of the other. But normally das is the health is the crown of the person. A little bit to make a lachayim. The Gemara says in, in the Haris, I think, that uh, one of the Amaroyim said that he felt that, uh, that some with some wine and and, 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 and and spices with a good aroma it made him uh, it, it made him sharper made you know sharpened his uh, his uh, intelligence take a little bit but to drinking excess is uh, to drinking excess is very ugly the Rama writes that the main Ram writes in Marinavuchan that the main reason why Ben Saramira is is the main is, is not the I always thought the main the main thing about a Mitzvah Meir is that any Shemayah B'Kolein who doesn't listen to his parents. The Ram writes in Meir Nebuchim that the main reason why a Mitzvah Meir is Chai Misu, why we think he's going to come to a bad end, is because he's Zayil Vesayve. He says the Achila Mechuleris and the Shtiya Mechuleris, the fact that he's that he's steeped in 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 fessin, in 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 in, 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 in eating to excess and drinking to excess. Sarah says, Yomus, 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 Akavel, Yomus, Chayev. A person like that, he's going to go lower and uh, lower and lower. The base is the whole source, uh, base is the whole source of them. Uh, today it became a whole thing with liquors and with fancy liquors. Like once, uh, I go to Mechir's Chomets every year in Brooklyn, there's an older, uh, or a large group of Brooklyn Rabbanim get together and have a joint uh, Mechir's Chomets. And um, Phil David is maybe the biggest, what, from the big place in Brooklyn, maybe the biggest place in Brooklyn, he, he oversees it. So, one of the things that they do is that they go around the table, and if anybody is selling some unusual amount of chametz or a very valuable amount of chametz, more than you know the guy might uh, might expect, more than most people have, so he would he would say, you know, I'm I'm among the people who are selling chametz through me. There's a fellow who has a who has a liquor store or has a has a nursing home with large amounts of chametz and so on. Just that the guy should there should be a more uh, greater gemir's das. So I remember one one point one of the one of the one of the rabbanim said. That's there's somebody who's selling chametz to him who has a, a fifty thousand dollar valued liquor collection. So I wanted I did I didn't say I afterwards I was I didn't say anything because I didn't know I would be taken but I, I wanted to say wow imagine imagine how much his farm collection must be worth. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's such a bizarre thing that we made a fetish out of out of liquors, fancy liquors. It's a Scottish bazaar. Such a it has such a not Jewish, a not Jewish time. So I don't think in yeshiva. I think in yeshiva it's better. I think it's, it's not. It hasn't. But I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. But in any event, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it should be found upon. Okay. Next question. When learning Gemara, is one supposed to feel an emotional connection to HaKadosh Baruch in the moment? Or is the learning itself intellectual and what comes out of it is a bigger connection to Hashem? So that's a parish of Chaim, a nefesh of Chaim. In the beginning of Shardalit, Chaim writes that while you're learning, you're not supposed to have thoughts of Devekis and so on. When you're learning, you're supposed to be learning, thinking about the learning and trying to understand the Torah itself. Because before you learn, before you learn, you should think you're doing a mitzvah, you're learning HaKadosh Baruch Torah. You have thoughts of Yerushalayim, but in, in the learning itself, you're not supposed to say in the middle of the learning. I think Hasidim disagree, but he's in the, in the middle of learning, you're not supposed to say, Oh, hey, look at Hasidim, I think, hey, look at But uh, Chaim thought Tari Lishma means, it has to do with Tari Lishma, the whole poem was of Tari Lishma. Does Tari Lishma mean Tari for Dveikos, or Tari Lishma means Tari to understand Tari? Chaim, that's the whole, uh, that's the whole Shadal. Tari Lishma is, uh, is Tari to understand Tari. Even Tari uh, to understand Tari, that's the Machshad. Before, after you have machshavas of uh, you know kabbalah cells and, and so on, but the learning itself should be the learning itself. Of course, if Chaim was coming like Puke because he thought that the, the it's an anti-Hasidic uh, polemic in Nefesh Chaim, at least in part, so he thought it had gone too far the other way. Okay, next question: Is it important to speak? I took a lot of questions this week. Is it important to speak highly of the yeshiva? Whenever the opportunity comes up for others who are not in Wayu to hear the positives and for the Tamidim themselves, does this extend to the Rashi Shiva as well as the Rav, who's often quoted by people who probably misunderstood him? In other words, when you're in other circles, should you be standing up for the Yeshiva and taking pride in the Yeshiva? So, yes, I, I think it is important. Well, three points. I think it is important, first of all, because if you're not proud of the Yeshiva, then, you're not, then it's very hard to be Maslich in the Yeshiva. No, more it means you know between one masechet and another, between one sefer and another. But it also has this meaning that uh, if you're in if you're in the yeshiva that you don't want to be, then it's harder to stay. So if you feel uh, embarrassed that you're in yeshiva, or you feel that you know you're you're unhappy that you're in in, in yeshiva, it makes it harder to to stay in yeshiva. So I think there is a value in itself. You should take pride pride in the yeshiva, and uh, therefore, part of that is that you should stand up for the yeshiva and, uh, where, 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 wherever you go. Number two, there are a lot of misconceptions about Wayu, and I think it's important to put them right. The world uh, the world at large, or at least, you know, the part of the Torah world has a lot of misconceptions about Wayu, things that are not that, that are not true altogether, or things that, they, that were maybe once upon a time true, but are not true today. A lot of misconceptions, and it's important to... Uh, to disabuse people of those uh, misconceptions. So for all of, both of those reasons, I think Takar's uh, table also for the yeshiva. You know, you have, you have from the yeshiva, you should stand up and defend the yeshiva. Shouldn't be dishonest. There are things in yeshiva that uh, that are not everything here is perfect. Uh, you know, there are things here that, that are not perfect, and I don't think you have to hide that or, 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 or whitewash that. But uh, nonetheless, I think it's important to take pride in the yeshiva of here, and, and that should be reflected when you talk about the yeshiva. Should, should we care what, what the other or what other people say about the yeshiva? Should you care? I mean, you should feel bad about it. Um, should we do the same thing about the community at large? 
I mean, I'm not saying you should go writing letters to the editor, but I'm saying if you're in, if your people ask you about yeshiva, you shouldn't uh, be embarrassed. You should be stay quiet in the yeshiva. I'm not saying you should wage a campaign and change the you know, minds and hearts. I don't, I don't know how many minds and hearts you're going to move, but I'm just saying it's important to, to, that, that you should take pride in the yeshiva, and that should be uh, reflected now you talk about the yeshiva. So I think it's not healthy that people should, you know, they're in yeshiva, but they, they're knocking it all the time. I mean, I think people are happy, or most of the guys here are happy, so why shouldn't that be reflected in, uh, in the way you talk about Yeshua? And I think it's very sad that there are all these misconceptions, so if you have an opportunity to put, to put them right, then, then you should. How about talking about the amount of black community? You know, you should be honest. That already, I don't have, I don't have any, any particular. Uh, you, don't, I don't, you don't have to carry the flag for Tina. <laughs> if you think they're being attacked unfairly for some reason, you know, if there's some anti-Tina uh, movement out there, you should. Uh, you think it's unfair, then okay, you should speak up for it. I don't. I, I don't know that there is. You know, I know there are lots of people who have the hatchets out for why you. I never heard that Tina was a was a target. In modern orthodoxy, modern orthodoxy. Yeah, but I don't really believe in the whole different modern orthodoxy paradigm uh, altogether. I don't think there's such a thing as modern orthodoxy. There's a community. But this is a separate shmuz. Uh, don't get me started. That's uh, <laughs> a shmuz. I don't think there's, there's, a, there's an ideological community of modern orthodoxy. There's community, Tinek, whatever. Bergenfield. Uh, there are communities. There's a community, a larger community that, that's... Okay, it's a whole shmuz. I, I, I this, this area I can go on for, uh, for a long time. I don't think you have to defend modern orthodoxy. I don't think YU represents modern orthodoxy. I think YU is a yeshiva, but it serves this uh, community. I think you should defend YU if you think it's been unfairly uh, unfairly attacked. If you have a particular ideology and somebody doesn't agree with it, you want to defend your own personal ideology, but I, I don't believe that the yeshiva represents a certain ideology. Maybe a certain educational approach, maybe. Yeah, now, now I got started. The rov, the rov is a separate sugya because you guys don't didn't know the rov, so it's very hard to defend the rov. You don't know more about it than another than the other person. So, what are you going to defend? Like you're not equipped to defend the rov. You could a misapprehension about you. You could say I I I I, I it's not true. You know, I can tell you from what I know. But somebody doesn't. You know, somebody's going to say something s- uh, disrespectful about the rov. So. I don't know that you're in a position to, to, to correct that. What are you going to say? I know it's not true. How do you know? I, 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 I could say something. Because I, I, the Rav could say something. But I, I don't think that's your. I don't think that's your responsibility. Because you're not. You're not Tamina of the Rav. You're, you don't. You're not coming from a position of knowledge, so it doesn't really matter. Does Rebbe think that he's unfairly attacked? Yeah, for sure. The Rav is definitely unfairly attacked. That doesn't mean that every single attack on the Rav is unfair, but many of the attacks are unfair. No, it's, there was definitely a disagreement. The Rav definitely had a disagreement with other, other Rosh Yeshiva in America about you know, how Torah should be taught in America. What's the prescription for America? The Rav definitely had a different approach and different opinion, and you also had different difference of opinion about Zionism, and the Rav had his own, his own opinions about a lot of things. And there was, there was definitely a, a, a machlekas or a number of, of machlekas. So that's okay. It could be differences of opinion. 
So somebody attacks their elf because he was a religious Zionist. So that's fair. He was. And it's not an unfair attack. I think the Rav's defense would be that uh, I am religious. That, that would be the defense. The attack and the defense are one and the same. So that's not an unfair attack. It's a disagreement. Okay, our disagreements tend to get more heated than they need to be, but that's not an attack. You can't call it an unfair attack. But, you know, when you hear the Rav attacked for, uh, I don't know, I once heard some, some Rosh Hashiva attacking the Rav that, that, the, the, that the, the Rav, when he said Shir, there was no risk of the Arise. He said Shir like a professor... Uh, with like a calm, uh, you know, without any risk of their isa and passions and pirutzim. So I'm a shekel v'chazal. So just made it up. So that's unfair. Okay. Why is the approach in learning Shita's Rashi when Rashi is silent to follow his explanation on a related sugya? Why don't we assume Rashi's silence indicates the Gemara should be read in the most simple manner? I'm really not sure where this question is coming from. I don't know that that's true. That every time Rashi is silent, we assume that he must learn like he learns in a different subject. I don't know where, where that it came from. We did say the other day in Shia that if you have in the same sugya, the Gemara has twice, uh, and Rashi explains it the first time, and he doesn't say anything the second time. So Rashi means that they, what he said the first time is, is, is the explanation this time as well. I don't think there's any anocha that if Rashi over here is you have a Gemara, Rashi doesn't say anything, but he must be learning like Rashi in Bam where he says something. I have to use common sense. Common sense is a very, uh, is a very mis, um, underused, underused item in learning. Learning requires common sense, maybe more than anything else. You have to use your critical judgment. Rashi doesn't say anything. Why does he not say anything? Like everything else. You have to have a critical uh, faculty. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask a question that's not on the sheet? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, what does Rebbe think about listening to Mikubalim's eights of the Chalam? And let's say a Mikubal says one thing and a Rebbe says another thing. Or what's the deal? Like how, how do we look at their Kalach? Do they have Kalach? What's, what's the deal? There's a lot, of, a lot of intersection here, a lot of things. First of all, one of the problems in the Kubalim is how do you... There's no, there's no um, diploma that you can get that says that you're a real big Mukubal. Well, or Shiva, there's just there's a certain method. You know, we know who's a big Lamdan, we know who's a big Tanukhachom because it's a certain method, it's verifiable. You know, we see, he writes Svarim, his peers respect him, uh, he has Tamidim, Chashiva Tamidim, Bidusus Chashiva Tamidim. So we, we, we know, we have a sense of what the hierarchy. But, but in Makubal, how, how do you know? Anybody can hang out a shingle, and you have a lot of people who are just charlatans. So um, this is an old story. The Nesivus writes in his Tzavah that not to listen, I don't remember exactly how he says it, but he says not to listen to, he says that that I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen it in a long time. But he says that that we, we that to be yeah, 
Lomatsinu, that somebody should should be should be should should learn Kabbalah even al PMS, except that it's the Rabbi Seinu Acharifim. People like Daily Torah and Nigla, they could be Daily Torah and Nister. But if somebody is not a Gadol B'Torah and Nigla, and he's just a Gadol B'Torah and Nister, so the Siva says, and those, don't listen to such people. The Emes is only by what he calls Rabbi Seinu Acharifim. People who know how to learn well. So that's uh, that's number one. You know, the Mekubal and there's all kinds of things. You go to Mekubal, what does it even mean? And Mekubal comes to town. How do you know who we, How do you know what, what he is? You know, what, what it, that's number one. Especially, uh, and there are a lot of people. Who, there are a lot of there are a lot of there are a lot of charlatans. There are people who they you know it's, it's a business. When Rav Shner was a Bachrin Baranovich, so there was a Hasidic Rebbe in Baranovich, Slaner Rebbe, who lived in Baranovich. And Shneur was very impressed with him. So uh, Shneur went to Benazmanim. He was home by his father, by Rav Aaron. So he was telling him about the Slana Rebbe, and, and you know, I don't know exactly what he was that he saw there, but he saw things that he found very impressive. So Rav Aaron said that, I, I don't know the Slana Rebbe at all. I have no idea. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I, I, I don't know. But one thing I can tell you that you should know in, going in life, that the, the litmus test is, how are they in momentous? If in Mominus he's, he's clean, then you could believe all the other Milas. But if in Mominus not, then, then the other Milas, then, uh, then, then nothing. So there are a lot of people out there that they, it's just a business. You have Emerson Kabbalah, you have, you have people with Taka in Kabbalah. How much powers do they have to tell people, you know, like Darizal, you go to Darizal, they say, and he would tell you, well, you're Chatoim, and he would tell you, you're Tikunim. It's hard for me to believe that people in, you know, in, in Adar have that power. Maybe they're all actually. I really don't know. Um, yeah, I can't say not. There are, you know, it's Sadiq Kimu Fusamim that uh, people go to. And Islam, there is such a thing. I don't know, if it conflicts with halacha, you should do like halacha. But I mean, what's the question is what's like by man? What do we? What do we? What's the nidin? Somebody who wants a bracha for shidduch he goes to mukul. So okay, fine. Yeah. So he like tells you what to do. Like he says, do this. Like like marry this girl. Uh, yeah, something to like that. Or don't. Or don't. Or don't. I don't know. I don't think I would go to such a person. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't I don't know. I mean, every rule has exceptions. Maybe that he would have to be somebody who's like really that. Emerson Daly Torah also acknowledged that he's that he's a that he's a parochi. Yeah. Maybe such people, but there has to be somebody. You know, I don't know. That that that, that Adar also got him. Uh, just because he has a it says Mukubal on the sh- on the shingle, I don't. Know. What, what about just in general people going to people who are considered daily Torah and not necessarily Mukubal, Nister, or massive Ashishiva, and asking them questions that are not related to Torah, like should I marry this person? They don't have a personal connection to them. There's yeah, so this goes to this broad topic of that Torah. Now we for sure don't have enough time. I, I have a I'll miss my, my appointment if we start talking about that stuff. The 
the Chazanis has a letter where he, where he says Emunus Chachamim is, is a corollary of Emunus Emun in Chachma. Meaning, since we believe, we, since we, we believe that Chachma Satayra is, is is a real Chachma, a person, and, and we think it's a it's an exalted Chachma. So somebody who who's Isaac in Chachma Satayra their whole life, so we assume that he must be a big Chachma. That's where it comes. That's the root of. No, it's not some kind of magic. It's a person who's Isaac in Chachma and a Chachma in Chachma Satayra, which is Ruchnis Tikka Chachma and elevated Chachma. So, Mishlamet has a hashbun, the person, Chazasli, the Zaychul Dvarim Harbi, called the Lemetar Lishma. But it's not, a, it's not an oracle, it doesn't mean the person can't be wrong. And it doesn't mean that uh, you, you, go to him he's a, you go to a Chachim because he's a wise man. Because you assume that he's a wise man, he's wise in Torah, he's probably a wise man in other things. But even a wise man, you know, he's limited by. Even a wise man has is limited by he has to know his circumstances. He's limited by the things that he knows. The, if Chaim Eisner has a letter, Chaim Eisner said, Chaim Eisner has a letter. Milan or Kira Chaim Eisner was to go to Ador and Ador there. Chaim Eisner has a letter where he says that how come when in Germany at the time of Shimshon or Paul Hirsch, there was a major machlekes between Shimshon or Paul Hirsch. And there was another Rav in Germany, Chashev uh, his name was Bamberger, about Auschwitz. Auschwitz was that it used to be that the, the Jewish community, you had to belong to the main Jewish community. The government required every Jew, had, you had to belong to a religious community. There was only one Jewish community, and you had to belong. And it was, it was in the hands of the Reform, the Reform were the majority. And then the government allowed that the Orthodox could form their own, they could leave the main Jewish community, and they were allowed to form their own Jewish uh, community, have their own cemeteries, their own institutions. The government gave permission. Shimshon Rav Herschel is a chayv kodesh, you can't stay with the reform, you have to leave. Astrid means to step out. You have to leave the main community, and you have to form your own, uh, own Orthodox community. And Rav Bainberger was, uh, was against it, we disagreed, and it was a very, very bitter machaikis. It was a machaikis that split the Orthodox world in Germany till the Holocaust. So... I don't know how, how many years we're talking about. Uh, Seventy years, maybe. Uh, the, the Orthodox. There was two. There were two Orthodox communities in Germany. Adkadekaf. That even just, just shortly before the Holocaust, uh, one of the rabbanim from the what was called the the Gemeinde, the the general, the community that did not split away, he died. And uh, the the rabbanim from the from the Austrian community, they wouldn't go to the Levite. So this is like uh, you know, several several generations later. It's a very very bitter machlekes. So Chaim Moser has a letter where he where he says, "Why didn't they sh- Why didn't they send the Shaila to Rebitzel Kolchanan? Rav Shimshon Falhurish, Rav Bamberger, they were not the Gdali Adar. Rebitzel Kolchanan was the Gdali Adar. So why didn't they send the Shaila to Kovna to Rebitzel Kolchanan? He should be Machria. So Chaim Moser says because it was a Shaila that you could only answer if you if you knew intimately the situation in Germany, and Rebitzel Kolchanan and Kovna was not in a position to know uh, to know." The situation in Germany well enough to say uh, to give up to to determine what's 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 best. Only the rabbanim who, who who were there in this situation. <coughs> no, so if Chaimayzer b'skochanim, if that's true, if that was true for them, this is a letter. It's it's from it's, it's in print. It's a, it's, a, it's not a phony, bloody letter. It's not a myth. It's a real letter. So that's why sometimes people go to they run to Israel and they bring a shaila that's negated to America and, 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 and circumstances in America and they bring it to some Rosh Hashiva in Israel to, to whom okay today it's a smaller world it's not like 
know, but at the, at the, but at the end of the day, you know, B'nai Brak is very different than 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 Tinekin. <laughs> Even today, so in it, it, and, and it's it's not right. It's, it's not right. And every community has uh, every community is different. I'll tell you something else. When there was, it's a, it's a little bit different, but it's history that you should know. There was a very very we talked before about the rov and the criticism of the rov. There was a very bitter machlekes. One of the reasons why the, the the split between the rov and the and the right wing yeshiva world became so bitter was because there was a lot a lot of bitterness around the particular parsha of the synagogue council of uh, the synagogue council. The synagogue council was an umbrella organization of orthodox, conservative, and reform um, rabbis and and synagogues, I suppose. That dealt not with religious issues, but it dealt with communal issues. And rabbis from all different denominations, so to speak, quote-unquote denominations, uh, sat on the synagogue uh, council. And one of the rabbis in the RCA went to the Rav and asked him, Mashaila, is it mutter to be on the synagogue council? Is it mutter for RCA rabbis to be on the... Is it mutter for an Orthodox rabbi to sit on the synagogue council? So the Rav said he has to think about it. And he and Dr. Belkin were, they were the Vad Halocha from the RCA, and the Rav said he has to think about it. So meanwhile, one of this one of the Rabbanim in the RCA went to maybe he was the one who I think he may he may be the one who raised the question in the in the first place, went to the Rav with the Shail in the first place. I know the name, but I'm not gonna tell you the name. And he went to Ryan Kotler, and he said, "This is what's uh, this is what's cooking." So Iron felt very strongly that it's not that it's also, and he he didn't he he wanted to preempt uh, the Rav's uh, Iron felt you know you have to understand that at the time in the fifties, conservatives Judaism was the wave of the future was in the ascendant. And orthodoxy was looked at as being uh, old-fashioned, and, uh, and 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 on the wane, and he felt very strongly that sitting together with conservative and reform rabbis, as if they're rabbis and we're rabbis, sends a message to the Hamaynam who don't know the difference that we're all we're all rabbis. We also recognize that they're rabbis, and he felt that that's a terrible thing. So he he, he so he got together. Ravarin had the biggest hashva. Ravarin got 11 Rashi Yeshiva, including Dara Dara, Moshe, Rebudimin, Rebmental Zaks, who was Baichan here in YU, Rav David Lifshitz, very uh, Hashiva people, um, to sign in Isser, to sign that it's Osir, a Psak, that it's Osir to be on the synagogue council. Before Rav Salvechik would have a chance to, to Paskin, they, they decided to Paskin uh, to come out with their own Psak. So, Salavechik at that point did not agree with him apparently, but didn't want to make a machlekes. He felt if it'll come out publicly the other way, it'll be a machlekes. So he tabled the question. He didn't answer the question. His Tamina, meanwhile, understood that he holds that it's really not Osir. If he thought that it was Osir, he would have said so, and they continued to be on the synagogue council. The synagogue council today doesn't even exist. It's, it's Machlechus in the 1950s. It's much not relevant today, although the bitterness remained for many, many, many years uh, afterwards. So, anyway, the point that I want to make is there was one person who did not sign, and I'm not den- I don't want to denigrate the people who signed, Khalilah, or Aaron, or Moshe Feinstein, or Eliadar, or the same. 
Um, but Ruben Grzovsky, who was on the Moesis and was from the, from the big the Manhigim, uh, we hear about him less because he died uh, relatively uh, young, but but he was from the big uh, the big who's from Gedalia He did not sign. The reason why he did not sign is he said that the Shaila is Negev the Ike to the Tamidim of Rabbi Yashabar, and therefore it belongs to Rabbi Yashabar. He doesn't want to sign. So the Shaila belongs to him. In other words, he felt that the, the, the Shaila is Negev to, to, to this community, the Y community, the minor Orthodox community, if you want to talk all of that. And, and it belongs to Rabbi who's the Rav here in this community, and, and it's, it's his call. It's not our call. So I'm not saying that they were wrong. I'm not saying the other Rosh Hashivas were wrong. They thought it's it's not like Rabbi Yitzchak and Kavne. It's all in America together, and they thought this is this is bad for America. But I think where Reuben was coming from, he wasn't saying that he that he that he thinks it's okay or that he thinks it's not okay. He just says that the person who's who knows who's best suited to answer the question for the for this for this community was Rabbi Salavetsky, or maybe he's the one that the. Not sure. It has an element of that, or maybe it's, it's his tamina. But Akapanim, he didn't want a paskin for Rav Salavetsky's tamina. Rav Salavetsky paskin for his uh, for his tamina. So there's a, there's a certain in the kudah there. I, I think it is connected to this other to this letter of, of Rav Chaim. You know, Shilas that are negated to this community, they belong to the, to, to, a, to a certain community. They belong to the rabbanim of that community, the tamidic chum of that community. Even if going back to Rav Chaim letter, even if the Tamil Chalmun in some other community are much bigger. Rabbi Tzavachalim was Le'ein Erech, bigger than Rabbi Shimshon Rafael Hirsch, and bigger than Rabbi Bamberger. I mean, it's not in the same uh, playing field. But nonetheless, Chaimei uh, said that Rabbi Tzavachalim was in Russia, and, and they wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he didn't, uh, wasn't, um, wasn't appropriate. He didn't think it was appropriate, or apparently nobody thought it was appropriate. Nobody sent him the Shaila that he should, that he should pass him for, uh, for, for, for Germany. So the Paskin of the Shaila and in you know it's not a Basu Bakal of Shaila, it's Basu Bakal of Shaila, it's Gitan Shailas, they sent her Bitsukhana. But this kind of Shaila, you have to know the circumstances. So in personal things it's also the same thing. A person has a personal Shaila. But the personal Shaila very often is informed if it's a personal Shaila that's that's Shava the whole world round. You, know, you have a personal Shaila that's that is the same the same Shaila for you as for as for uh in in, in Beirak. You have some personal emotional health Shaila or so then, fine. You can go to the Rav Mip and they back a big time at Chacham, and he'll he'll be able to hopefully you'll be you'll be you'll be an enemy in the of Yisushia. But but if it's a shaila that has to do with with the circumstances that you know that of, of your of your community and your milieu, then the natural address is Tamei Chachamim who who are intimately acquainted with that uh, or intimate intimate who are acquainted who are familiar who are living in 